Hello, my name is Van Sneed, and welcome to another episode of The PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now, on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week will speak with other pastors and professors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, the PS Plus, we'll take a look at some of those topics that are being discussed and we'll dive in just a bit deeper. Now, we've been on, I don't know, at this point, it's like the Uber KJV series and we're just going to we're going to keep rolling, guys. So let's do this thing. As always, before we jump into today's content, let's take just a couple of moments to review some of the key items that we talked about from the previous episodes. We've mentioned the definition of a manuscript a lot. However, it's continually pertinent to our discussion, and so it bears repeating. A manuscript is a book or document that has been handwritten rather than printed or typed And at present, there are over 5,800 manuscripts of different types currently in existence. Over time, these handwritten documents of various sizes and materials and lengths, they they were collected and compared and categorized and used to create a single volume of the New Testament in Greek. However, these single volumes can deviate from each other depending on the differences in those underlying manuscripts. We saw an example of this last time when we looked at a passage in the book of Acts. In the eighth chapter of the King James Version, you'll see verses 36, 37, and 38, whereas in the New English translation, it has verses 36 and 38, but omits 37. And again, the reason is that these two different versions of the Bible are essentially using different manuscripts. Now, in reference to the two differing versions of the Greek New Testament, we talked a little bit last time about the Textus Receptus and the critical text, the King James Version using the Textus Receptus, whereas in this example, the New English Translation uses the critical text. So the focus on today's episode is going to be learning a little bit more about the critical text. Fair warning, some of this is kind of nerdy, but I mean, at this point, like, I don't know how many of these KJV episodes we've done so far, but I think at this point you're just here for it. So one of the first things that we should know is that Textus Receptus is Latin for received text, and we'll talk more about this in a later episode. You'll also hear the Textus Receptus referred to as the Byzantine text, the Syrian text, the majority text, and the traditional text. Now, before we get too far, there's a very important thing we need to understand, and that is that the Textus Receptus, that actual language, was first used to refer to an edition of the Greek New Testament published by two men, Abraham and Bonaventure Elvizer. These are, these are two brothers the Elvizer brothers, and man, that's like, they got dope names, man. I mean, Abraham is cool by itself, but Bonaventure, are you serious? These, these, man, it, it sounds like they're a wrestling tag team intercontinental champions. They haven't, they haven't got the full title yet, but they're definitely intercontinental champions. Can I get, uh, for all of you that just got that reference, can I get uh, two claps and a Ric Flair? I'm going to shut up now because if I don't, then I won't ever. 
So these two brothers, they publish their edition of the Greek New Testament, this particular edition of the Greek New Testament, in 1633. So let's pause for a second. Even if you don't know much about the KJV, you'll know that it was published in 1611, not 1633. So what gives? Well, what we need to understand is that the Textus Receptus is not one single edition of the Greek New Testament. Rather, this name has been retroactively applied to all the printed Greek texts of the same Byzantine text type. So while there were, quote, Textus Receptus text types prior to 1633, the name Textus Receptus wasn't actually used until 1633. Now, maybe if you're hearing this for the first time, that may seem a bit foreign, but we actually saw this concept of multiple editions of a text type in our previous episode. Again, in that episode, we were taking a look at Acts 8, 36-38, and why verse 37 was missing from the New English translation where it was present in the King James Version. And one of the reasons that we use the New English translation is because it includes over 60,000 of the translator's notes. And so they were telling us this is why we didn't include it. And one of the notes basically said that the NA28 didn't include that particular verse. Now, the NA28, as we learned, was the 28th edition of the Nestle Elan Greek New Testament, which is a critical text type. So what this means is that the 28th version and the previous 27 versions were using, in some form or another, different manuscripts in the Textus Receptus, which resulted in a different version of the Bible, and in this case, a verse being omitted. So with the remainder of today's episode, let's take a high-level look at some of the development of the Textus Receptus. And let me just give you a fair warning. It's not going to be exhaustive, but we are starting to dip our toes into, again, some nerdy details, a little bit of history. I mean, as you will discover, to learn about the evolution and the the bringing forth of the King James Bible, it is kind of steeped in history. You can't really divorce those two. And so put on your nerd hats and let's go. Now, we can't talk about the Textus Receptus without talking about a man named Desiderius Erasmus, who was a Dutch Catholic priest who lived from 1469 to 1536. Now, there's a lot that we could say about him, and I'd encourage you to go and learn more about him. He's a really fascinating character in history. But for the purposes of our discussion today, we should know that he published his first edition of the Greek New Testament in 1516. So again, well before 1633, when Textus Receptus was kind of a phrase that was used, 1516, he publishes what is called the Novum Instrumentum, which literally in Latin means new instrument. Now, just a quick note, subsequent versions of his New Testament, which we'll talk about here in just a moment, would be called the Novum Testamentum, and there are some reasons why the original version didn't stick. But practically speaking, uh, New Testament in Latin, this is what he publishes in 1516. Now, Erasmus's New Testament was a double-column format that displayed the text in Latin, but it also displayed it in Greek. And we can't underestimate the significance of this because this is the first time that the New Testament has been fully available in Greek in a printed edition. 
there did exist printed editions of the New Testament prior to Erasmus. One of note in particular was in Latin, but Latin was a dead language as of 600 to 750 AD. So to have to have the New Testament printed in Greek, no less, was was huge. Now, regarding the manuscripts that Erasmus used for his text, he ended up relying on seven, primarily seven manuscripts that were all actually minuscules, which we defined previously, and they dated from the 12th century all the way to the 15th century. One of those manuscripts had the entire New Testament except Revelation. One of those manuscripts had just Revelation. Two of those manuscripts had the Gospels. Two of those manuscripts had the Pauline epistles. And one of the manuscripts had Acts and the epistles. So from these seven manuscripts, Erasmus creates his first edition of the Greek New Testament. Now, what is of particular interest to this conversation is that the manuscripts that he chose to use for the first edition were all of the Byzantine text type. Also of note is that Erasmus did have access to manuscripts that would support the critical text, and he chose against using those. Erasmus would go on to later publish four more editions of his Greek New Testament, and he did this for various reasons. When you get into the history of it, what you learn is that the first edition was first, but it was also a little bit rushed, and so there was some additional work that needed to be done. He was maybe motivated to publish first and use later editions to kind of address errors and other things that were being brought to his attention. But his second edition is released in 1519, and 1522 is his third edition, 1527 is the fourth edition, and his final and fifth edition in 1535. Now, I'd also be remiss if I didn't call to your attention the impact that Erasmus' Greek New Testament had on Christianity as a whole, in particular on a man that you, you may have heard of named Martin Luther. Luther's understanding of theology including that which he elaborated on in his 95 Thesis, was influenced strongly by Erasmus's work. Prior to the publishing of Erasmus' New Testament, there was a New Testament in Latin called the Latin Vulgate. And in this Latin edition of the New Testament, for example, Matthew 3.2 says, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, do penance for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, compared to the first edition and subsequent editions of Erasmus' text, he renders that same verse, Matthew 3, 2, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luther would, of course, expand upon this in his 95 Theses. So, in other words, Erasmus' New Testament had an impact on the Reformation and the movement away from the false teachings and doctrinal errors that had plagued the Roman Catholic Church. So again, Erasmus's text is a big deal, and this wouldn't be where the Textus Receptus stops. Actually, there are going to be other men that pick up the work that Erasmus has done and continue it forward, and we'll talk more about some of those men next time. As always, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the PS Plus. If you have questions about the Living Faith Bible Institute, I'd encourage you to go to lfbi.org 
www.ghostbusters.org, where you'll find all about how to enroll for classes, our philosophy behind ministry, behind the Bible. All the good stuff is online there for you. I hope that this has helped in some way, and I hope to talk to you next time. Take care. Bye.